ever wondered if influencer marketing is good for your B2B company? Well, last week I had Susan, the CEO of Top Rank Marketing, on the show to talk to us all about influencer marketing their brand story, how they came to be founded, and what that looked like on their journey into marketing for supply chain companies, um, as well as honing in on that influencer marketing campaign. And there are so many amazing gems in this episode. So go and check that out. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com, or you can find it wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Well, hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name's obviously Sarah Barnes Humphrey. <laughs> no, wait a second. My name's Jonathan Kempe. I'm the CEO and founder of Verify, an Australian company with a global presence that uses technology to increase supply chain security, visibility, and transparency. I've known Sarah for a while. I've been a panelist on her show, Blended, and we thought it would be a lot of fun to swap roles for the day. So today, I'm the host and Sarah is my esteemed guest. I'm pretty excited. I ah, have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous. But I hope we'll have a great chat. And I know you as the listeners will be able to take part and hopefully learn a lot as well. I think it's an absolute privilege to do this. I'm really grateful that Sarah would give me that chance. But before we dive into the podcast, let's have a look at the much-talked-about question of the week. It was, if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation of supply chain professionals, what would that piece of advice be? Well, Marissa says, I love this. I would say to consistently have the ability to lead, manage, influence, and inspire others. That is the fundamental key that all supply chain leaders and managers should possess. Peter says, never be afraid to challenge the norm. Just because we have been doing it this way for years does not mean there is not a better way to do it. A great point, Peter. Roger says, learning new things every day is a continuous process. Curveballs are thrown on a daily basis. Colin goes on to say, be open-minded to change. While some change can be challenging, even difficult at times, not changing when change is necessary to keep up with the times and the regulations required will be painful and costly. And Seema mentions there is never a playbook for every situation. A few people mention these sorts of things. Just be flexible and quick to respond in case some situations crop up, which was not as per the original process. Do not forget to communicate this to all impacted. Some great responses there to the question of the week. Now back to today's podcast. As I'm sure you all know, Sarah is not only the founder and host of Let's Talk Supply Chain, She's also the co-founder and CEO of new technology startup Ships Inc. Ships is an award-winning freight marketplace that works to simplify the complexity often found in logistics. 
The platform closes the gap between shippers and forwarders, creating an accessible, affordable, and hassle-free logistics solution for all. As we know, supply chains can be complicated, and ships looks to make that entire process for both sides, freight forwarders and shippers, a whole lot less complex. Today, Sarah, Sarah and I will chat all about her background. We uh, will ask you some questions about how she came to found ships and the positives the platform's bringing to the market. And we'll ask you some questions about the future of international shipping as well. Well, welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm excited to be part of this. Yes. Uh, this is exciting. It is exciting. It's a bit of a, freak, so it's a, bit of a freaky Friday over here. A bit of role reversal today. Are you excited? Are you looking forward to it? I am very excited. Jonathan, it's exciting to be on the other side of the mic for the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, talking about something that I've been working on for a while. So yes, and I'm also excited to have you host this episode. You and I have cre- have been creating this friendship, business relationship over the last year through the pandemic. We met at the UnTPM. UnTPM. In... What a what a time! What a time to be alive! Right, and now look at us. <laughs> it's pre- uh, well, I think it is exciting. I think it's a privilege. I think as a technical founder, I'm I'm so excited to explore ships with you. So why don't we just get into it and uh, and find out a little bit more? Well, let's start with finding a bit more about you. Um, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Uh, what you do at ships? And what is one thing that surprises you about international shipping? We find ourselves in bizarre times with big boats being stuck in canals. Uh, Tell us something about international shipping that might be surprising. Yes, that's such a great question. So for anybody who doesn't know, my name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, founder and usually the host of Let's Talk Supply Chain, but I am also the CEO of Ships, which, you know, I am super excited to tell you guys all about today. I think the one thing that would surprise people about international shipping is how exciting it is. There's a lot of problem solving that goes on Every single day in international shipping is not the same. Um, We've seen all sorts of different disruptions over the last year uh, that has thrown international shipping not only in the spotlight, but totally for a loop. And, you know, shippers are firefighting, freight forwarders are firefighting. It's been a bit stressful. There's been a little bit of pressure. But at the end of the day, when you talk to somebody who's in international freight or international shipping, they're like... I love my job. <laughs> Absolutely love the complexity of it, the beauty of it. I think there's an allure to the sea, don't you think? It's just this big thing that sort of yep. draws you to it. And uh, and geez, Louise, there is a lot of complications with how logistics and supply chains work. And you've had a pretty long yep. history in supply chain. Um, you, you, you've been involved in this for, for some time. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your journey into uh, supply chain and then how you came to found ships? Yeah, absolutely. So I tell everybody that that supply chain is in my blood because I remember talking about logistics at the dinner table since before I can even remember. What a stimulating Um, dinner dinner conversation. Let's talk about logistics. Yeah. So my dad was in, has been in logistics his whole career. And so that's why we were talking about it at the dinner table. He ended up uh, buying a freight division and starting his own company. 
And my mom later then joined him. And then I joined for summers in high school when I was 16. I remember doing the filing. Um, And right after high school, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. And so I went into the family business. I started off as reception and I did courses by correspondence while I worked. And so I did the customs course. I did my international freight forwarding course, uh, which led to uh, a certificate in freight forwarding. I also did some supply chain management courses as well. And then I ended up getting my uh, designation in international trade through the Forum of International Trade Training. And I did all of that while I worked at the company. And so I went from reception into trucking. And then we wanted to get into specialized services. And they put me into sales. And I literally went door to door <laughs> to... Um, I don't even, I can't even remember. I think it was like casting agents because we wanted to get into movie sets. And so I was in some of the seediest places in Toronto, I think, (laughs) going door to door when I was like early 20s. Um, And it was, it was very, very interesting. Then I ended up in international, uh, the international operations division where I did air freight, I did ocean freight. I ended up doing a little bit of warehousing and actually funny story. So I was handling some air freight and there's something called chat that comes from Somalia through the UK into Canada, but it's illegal in Canada. Mm. And it was coming through all the time. And I was, I was able to figure out what the telltale signs were. And anyway, the, um, they ended up uh, having a sting operation at our warehouse. Um, and I uh. met, I met the guys, I gave them the paperwork, they went to customs and then they actually uh, arrested them when they came back from customs to pick up their freight. So that was a, that was a pretty interesting part of my job. Wow. It was actually kind of scary, to be honest. And then, it's like an international spy moment. Right? It was totally, and I love that kind of stuff, right? I mean, not in the moment, not being in it, but then, you know, I went into sales. So I'd had eight years of operational experience, and then I went into sales for eight years, and I sold all of those services, you know, um, and the first year I was in sales was in 2008. And everybody's probably like, that is the worst year worst ever, ever to go into sales. But it was actually my yeah. best year ever. Um, I ended up, yeah, it was my best year ever. And so out of sales, I went into sale. Uh, I went in to become the director of sales and marketing. And two things happened that year. After being in operations and sales, I realized, you know, that there was too much disconnect. There was too much discord Hmm. between freight forwarders and importers and exporters, especially at the mid-market level. And I knew technology would help with that. So got together with a couple of people, you know, and, and things have evolved, right? That was back in... I don't know, 2017. And so things have evolved over the years, but we built it in stealth. There was a lot of things we needed to do. We did some focus groups and stuff like that. And so that's, that's part of my journey in logistics and how I, how I got into ships. Yeah. Well, I think it's really fascinating to hear your history because I think that what we can take away from that, I know that we've talked about this as well, is you've got a long and deep connection to the industry. So, you know, it's ins and outs, you know, the pitfalls, you know the gaps, you know where the complexities are. I'm very certain that that informs how your platform is built. Um, so why don't we just spend a bit of time talking about that? 
um, ships itself, how does it help customers? Why don't we start with shippers? How does it work for a, a shipper who's using the platform? Yeah, so there's three things that I want to talk about today in this area. But before we get into that, I do want to tell you one more fun story. Um, <laughs> because we got a five-letter domain, right? Ships, S-H-I-P-Z, or Z.com. And how did we get that? Well, I ended up buying it from a guy in Malta and he oh. wanted, he wanted a lot of money for it actually. And I was able to talk him down, um, to three quarters of what he was asking. So that's Whoa. a very proud moment of my, of mine. And so I just wanted to throw that in there cause I really, really love this story. <laughs> ah, that's great. And five other domain. That's pretty rare. You're done well there. So right? S-H-I-P-Z or Z, we're not sure. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So what does ships do? Well, it does a couple of things. So one is a marketplace. So basically, there are a few challenges that are happening on the shipper's side. There's also a few uh, challenges that are happening on the, the freight forwarder side or the freight provider side. Hmm. For the shipper and for a mid-market shipper, it takes 101 hours, 40 emails, and 20 phone calls to get a shipment quoted and booked. Whoa, can that you just, wait, wait, wait. wait. Just go back on yeah. that. Can you just say that again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 101 hours, 40 emails, 20 phone calls. Let's let that sink in because honestly, as of today, it really should not be that hard. And yeah. it shouldn't take that much time and it shouldn't take that mu that many emails. And we focused on the mid-market shipper because those are the ones that have, have been left behind. And those are the ones that need the most help. And small to mid-market businesses, we all know are driving economies right now. Hmm. So that's, you know, that's the, that's the challenge, right? So they're going back and forth by email just to get a quote, just to get it booked. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that we're solving. They're also going to three to five different freight forwarders every time they want to quote a shipment. And they're going to the same three to five forwarders because they don't know who else is out there. And because it takes them so much time, they actually don't have time to search out new freight providers that they want to work with. The other thing too is the vendor onboarding. So if you do look at a new freight provider and you want to onboard a new freight provider, there's so much paperwork. There's paperwork yeah. on your side. There's paperwork on their side. Mm. And it just doesn't make any sense. And so it's not really very easy for shippers to be able to do that. And then on the freight provider side, I know you want to talk about the shippers, but we're going to talk about both. On the <laughs> okay. freight provider side, there is, you know, there's a lot of challenges, right? They act like a bank. So they pay the steamship line or the airline to get the freight to their customer. And then their customer doesn't pay them for 30, 60, sometimes 90 days. And so yeah. they act like a bank. And that's not their core competency. Their core competency and what they should be focusing on is moving freight for you, not yeah. acting as a bank. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of credit risk with that, right? Yeah. And the other challenge is that, that they're quoting on everything. So each freight provider is not necessarily good at every single route. But they're quoting on everything for a shipper because... They don't want to lose that shipper. They don't want that shipper to be like, they don't want my freight, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And so they're just quoting on everything. They're also quoting when a shipper needs a cost. Right. And 
we're just exhausting our freight providers. So those are the challenges on both sides that we're solving, right? So yeah. number one is the marketplace. So each party can come to our marketplace. The shippers can put in their shipment details. The freight forwarders can bid on those shipments and then they can book the shipment and they could message and send documentation back and forth all within one platform. So that's number one of what we do. Wow. Number two is that we're white labeling that platform for shippers. So shippers can take that marketplace and use it as their own with the forwarders that they're currently working with at the moment. So they can go, they go into our portal, they put in their shipment details, they press a button, and then that shipment is sent to the freight forwarder to say, hey, we've got something to quote. Come into the portal and quote us. Yeah, yeah. They come into the portal, they quote it, and then the shipper can decide who they want to ship with. And if a new freight provider comes to them and says, hey, I want a quote on your shipment, they can say, you know what, go and sign up in our portal and you'll get notified the next time we have a shipment. So think about how much time that's going to save everybody. I was talking to a shipper. Yeah, I was talking to a shipper and they were like, yeah, that's going to save me, you know, at least what a full time employee would do. Yeah. Right. Which is huge. Huge. Absolutely. And and maybe that's the hidden cost, right? You've got people doing this sort of work and they say, oh, my job is just to go out there and get um, bids from a whole bunch of different people. Some of whom I know, some of whom I trust, some of whom I have absolutely no idea if they're going to rip me off or or possibly their rate structure is, you know, incompatible with profitability at their company. Um, But they're going out into this open market, which is sort of of like swimming in shark infested waters potentially. And they end up burning a huge amount of time and still not getting what they really want. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the reverse of that is that we're now offering that same white label solution to a freight provider. Wow. So we're now a customer-facing portal for them to be able to get the information that they need from their customers and to be able to quote their customer that much easier. And we have add-ons to those white labels. So like we've got container tracking and all sorts of stuff that we can add on to that white label. And we're not done, right? We're building features <laughs> based on feedback. So yeah. anyways, that that's exactly what we do. Well, I mean, that just in and of itself just seems to me like it would just save an inordinate amount of time on behalf of both the shipper and the freight forwarder. I know this is sometimes a bit of a glib question, but as, as a founder, you know this, you get asked this all the time. Um, people say, I'm the X of shipping and logistics where X might be Uber or something. Do you characterize ships in a certain way uh, with a comparable mm-hmm. marketplace elsewhere? Yeah. So the marketplace, um, we've always called it eBay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're comparable to eBay. Um, the white label option is, is different, but the marketplace for sure, I would say an eBay. Yeah. It's a bidding process in there as well. So you're you're pretty much uh, not guaranteed, but you're pretty close to guaranteed that you're going to get a better deal and definitely save time using your platform. That's probably a good summary, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Saving time, saving money, and just being that much more efficient. Like the amount of times I've talked to teams that have to do this work and they're just so frustrated that, that, that there's just not a better way. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Isn't it? Well, Hey, I mean, on your show, you talk a lot about a bunch of different topics, which are really pressing and really necessary. Um, a few that come to mind, collaboration, visibility, what good data can do. Um, 
Uh, do you think there's been um, a conscious effort on your part to tackle those key industry areas? Do you think it's sort of subconsciously just been rolled into how you've um, formulated the platform? Or, or do you think those sorts of things, as you consider your platform, as you see what solutions are in the industry, do you think it's just good business for people to understand or know about collaborating, being more visible and, and sharing good data? Yeah. So collaboration, I mean, anybody who's watched the show or listened to the show, collaboration is the future of business, something that I always say. And it's absolutely something that's forefront for me in every single thing that I do. I think that, you know, winning together is definitely a philosophy. And if you talk to a lot of my partners and people that I work with, I think mm. that they would they would concur on that one yeah. as well. Um, you know, I think as far as visibility, I think sustainability, I think data, all of those things as we've been moving forward through this journey have been top of mind and things that we have been talking about and putting on the roadmap, right? I mean, as a founder, you know that you can't do everything you want to do right out the gate and right up front. And some of those things that you want to do may not resonate with the customer. And so you've got this roadmap, right? You've got this, you've got this, idea of what you want that to look like and how you're going to expand and what that looks like and, and which areas you want to be able to cover and make yeah. an impact in. And so we've been very conscious of that and it's definitely part of the roadmap moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you get the same feedback that I do. I, I seem to have a thousand ideas and uh, my board, my team, yes. like, well, you just need to focus on that one, do that one idea really well, as opposed to doing a thousand <laughs> things. And I think to your point in collaboration, I, I, this conversation is testimony to how you collaborate. Um, you've been so generous with, the, with your time, uh, bringing me into your network and then introducing me to folk that I, I've been really transformative for Verify's journey, but for me personally as well. So I think you bang on the money. You practice what you preach there. Uh, about collaboration. I'm really grateful for it. And I know a bunch of other folk are as well. Uh, so you, you launched you. what? Well, oh, that's, that's absolutely fine. It's my pleasure. Uh, now, now you launched in, uh, what was it, September last year? I give or take. Yes. Um, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was an easy time to start a business, uh, you know, <laughs> neck, neck deep in COVID. Um, how did you find the, ex- the experience of that? Because I, I mean, a lot of people would think, um, don't try anything risky because the chance of failure is high. Um, how did you find that experience? Were there, was there anything positive about it was, or was it just all challenges? I mean, it's kind of like having a baby, right? There's never yeah. a real, a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you can't really plan it. I mean, you can no. plan it, but you know yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know what um, you're trying to say. You know, and everything, everything isn't, is, has an element of risk to it. Um, could we have waited? Yeah, probably. But I mm. mean, that's not my journey. This is what my journey looks like. And we decided to launch it in September. Um, have we learned a lot along the way? Absolutely. Um, right. But I think with anything, no matter when you launch something like that, you also have to pay attention to the market. And the market right now, since we've launched, obviously has been disruption after disruption after yeah. disruption after disruption. So, you yeah. know, we've 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 had to, uh, you know, work with what we have. Um, we are fortunate to have a great uh, group of beta customers. Um, that are working with us and have worked with us. We had a few things that we needed to tweak 
um, and figure out in Q4. And, and it gave us the time to do that. Mm. And I think it's also allowed us to look at the bigger picture and include this new white label option that we've never really considered before. And so it really depends on how you run a company and how you look at your startup and how open-minded you are and what your intentions and your mindset are around it. And I think, you know, that's, that's gotta be for any founder starting a business at any time. You know, a lot of people can take a look and say, you're crazy, man. And I'm (laughs) like, absolutely not because (laughs) I, I wouldn't be where I am today without doing that. I would, I would be further behind. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't remember who said it, but um, great crises or great uh, disruption can cause incredible opportunities to exist or, or come to light. And I think you've just captured that. Um, you know, you, you've seen the need. The need is great. Um, COVID or not, pandemic or not, Suez Canal crisis or not, um, there is a great <laughs> need there. And, and then you've charged off after it to capture the, the, the first part of the market segment that you want as you expand, obviously, more so. Um, but that need isn't going to go away. And I mean, if we think about that for just a moment, we've had COVID, which has obviously put pressure on a number of different things in logistics and supply chain, but it's also increased. I, I think I read a stat on this. Um, it increased or accelerated to such a degree the uptake of e-commerce that in a three-month period, they covered ground, which they only projected would have happened in about 10 years. So people are right. buying things online. They're turning to a different experience. They're happy to go digital. All these things that we thought were impossible, like can you just imagine winding back 24 months and saying most of the world would be working from home, uh, you know, using mm-hmm. Zoom as a connection medium? People would be like, you, you're kidding me. You know, we've got cities yeah. for that. Um, so there's been a lot of disruption. Um, there's been container shortages on top of that. There's delays at ports. We've seen, you know, increased incidences of things like cargo falling overboard. Um, is that yeah. proof that businesses need to innovate a bit more and they need to actually look at those themes that you've touched on and they need to be more proactive about those themes actually tackling those sorts of themes how do i manage disruption how do i myself innovate inside those environments is that your take on what you've observed yeah before i get into that though i do want to just touch on what we had just talked about only because i read something uh recently about the amazon journey mm, right. and amazon tried and tested so much until one day something clicked and Amazon just took off from there. And so just to add on what we were talking about before, you know, with each founder and each startup, you know, you have to try, you have to test, you have to see what's going to stick with everybody. And that's from marketing messages all the way to product. And so going back to disruption, absolutely. I mean, think about the time that everybody is spending right now. Mm. Like shippers didn't have all this time to deal with all of this disruption to begin with. Now you've added all of this disruption, trying to figure out how to get your product here. So think about how valuable time is right now. Yeah. It's huge. So if you have an innovation, if you partner and work with somebody like Ships with a platform that's going to save you all of that time, that in a time of disruption like we have been like we've been seeing for the last 6, 9, 12 months, think about what that time back in your day 
would give you. Not only to be able to deal with the disruptions that are coming at us right now, but also on your day-to-day and what you could give back to your team and what your team could give back to you just with the time that you're going to be saving utilizing a platform like this that doesn't change everything that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. It takes what you're doing and just puts it online and makes it more efficient right? It's not reinventing the wheel. I think sometimes with a lot of supply chain tech or maybe tech in general, we're getting way too ahead of our customers. Mm. We've got to meet them where they are and just take what they're doing and just make it easier for them. And I feel like that's what we've done with ships. And I feel like if we had even done it sooner, we would have been able to give the shippers back so much more time, especially right now. Yeah, and I, th- I think the way you talk about this, and I, I don't want to contrast anyone in the industry who may have made untoward comments about this uh, recently, but um, the way you talk about it is great because you're very respectful of how the industry is form has been formulated, but you want to bring yeah. that efficiency to the table. You actually want to help the people who are on the ground making decisions, be it from the shipping side or the freight forwarding side, and you just want to make their lives easier and save them, like you say, a, a huge amount of time. I'd probably add to that, Surely you're saving um, not just an efficiency and a time quotient, but in terms of accuracy of capture of information, you're saving additional time and effort there, right? Because if people are Mm. faxing things backwards and forwards or they're using paper or maybe things are quite manual, um, those processes are prone to a lot of error, right? So you're solving for that as well. Well, and think about reporting functions and data. Right now, freight forwarders aren't getting any data back. They're putting all of this effort, time and effort and and rates into the market. And they're not getting anything back to tell them where they landed, what that looked like and how they could do better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, a lot lot of effort for not much return, right? Yeah. Well, and think about the shippers too. How are they doing their reporting? They're doing it all through Excel. Think about how the supply, the, the ship's platform could be a supplier scorecard for your freight forwarders because yeah. we're, we're, we're working on a few things and features right now that's going to be allow you to be able to do that. And think of the reporting functions that you're going to be able to get from something like that, that you don't have at your fingertips right now. Huge. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess as a shipper, maybe if you're managing uh, shipments for your company, you could potentially use those reports to then go to your manager and say, Oh, Hey, by the way, we've used these different freight forwarders for some period of time. Let me tell you exactly how they're performing. And and surely that's information people haven't had before. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So so let's have a a think then. Um, You know, you've been doing this for some time and you've assessed the marketplace, you've seen the need, um, but who is is your ideal client? If you could say, wow, this would be kind of the person that I'm pursuing. Are are you going after smaller enterprises? Um, Who would you classify in that category? Yeah, so I think the marketplace itself really lends – itself to small to mid-market shippers and I would say mid-market small to mid-market freight forwarders the white label option is more for mid-market to enterprise on uh, the shipper side and mid-market freight forwarders and the reason why I say that is because you know, the small to mid-market shippers, some of them just want choice. They want to be able to go on a marketplace and really see who's out there and see who who they can work with on their particular shipment. Whereas some mid-market to enterprise is going to want that white label option that they can have as their own portal and continue to work with the freight forwarders that they already have. 
Um, and so it's going to be a matter of preference in the mid market, but that's who, that's who we're, we're, um, we're talking to. Great. Um, and, and so if we look at that and we, we think, you know, I, I completely get the fact that ships is in its infancy, um, and, uh, you know, you're still at a starting point of the journey, but have you got an example where you've transformed something someone's tried to do, um, that a, a customer potentially of yours has a challenge and then you've seen how the ship's platform has transformed what, uh, what they've been attempting. What, what sort of impact did that have? Do you have an example of that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the key features, key features that we have is a, a benchmarking option. So rather than going to freight forwarders when you're looking for costing, you can actually come on the ship's platform and you can press a button and get an estimate as to how much it's going to cost you to ship goods. And we've had shippers on our platform utilizing that function and saying that it's just saving them so much time in going back and forth with the freight forwarder. And the freight forwarder um, has actually told us that it's cut down dramatically on how many quotes they're actually costing. So that feature alone is saving so much time on both sides. And also, you know, I have small uh, shippers that are using the marketplace right now, and they are just so grateful, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about being somebody new to the industry and new to international shipping. I mean, the complexities that you have to navigate through what, and you what don't are understand co- everything. What, what are Inco terms? What are they? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we have a chart for Inco terms. Like we're meeting everybody where they are. And if you don't know what your Inco term is, it's okay. We have a chart for you and a drop down menu. And usually when I show people just the Inco term chart alone, they're mm. like, wow, you know, this is game changing because people don't think about this. People don't yeah. think about the the different, maybe even really small things that some of the shippers are just really grateful for. And so we're getting some, just some really great feedback on several different features that we have. And we've, we've thoughtfully, intentionally put into the platform. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think some of those intangibles for your success are, are like, there's less fights in the lunchroom because people aren't just pulling out yeah. their hair at work. trying to work out these things which you know you can just picture a person sitting in their chair going through all this complexity which is super hard to understand Mm -hmm. and then their manager breathing down the neck potentially saying you've got to save us money on the margins here and and they're trying their best to do it but the the marketplace is quite fractured it's quite hard to get you know genuine information uh, from certain sources and And then from the yeah who do you go to right you're on google typing in freight forwarder yeah. Right. Well, at least, if, at least if you've got a, a platform like ships, you can sign up for ships with a free trial and you can put in your shipment information and you know that we've got good freight providers on the platform that are going to be able to, that you're going to be excited to work with. You know what I mean? And I honestly, right now with all the disruptions that are going on, I, I got onto the phone with a small shipper the other day and just letting her know that she's not alone mm. in what's happening because all of the delays, she's like, I've never really done this before. You know, this has been a great year for me and I'm selling a lot of product, but the shipping delays are just killing me. Killing, yeah. Like, yeah. And so I, the first thing that I said to her was, listen, you are not alone. There are enterprise shippers 
there are mid-market shippers that have been doing this for a very, very long time and they're firefighting and they're having the same challenges that you are and ripping their hair out and the stress and the pressure. So even just telling somebody that you're not in it alone, especially right now, is is just huge. And that's that's part of the conversations I've been having with people, um, not just about the platform, but just about the market and just about how they're doing as a shipper. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and I think that is so valuable because, um, you know, you can just picture that person who might feel like with their, with their KPIs being just thrown out the window, um, you know, get this shipment from A to B, save money on that, make yeah. sure it's on time, all those sorts of things. They can't answer those things and they're looking for a trusted way to work their, through, work their way through the information that's in front of them. Um, uh, yeah. I, I just see ships as being, you know, so, uh, you know a lighthouse to, uh, to show the way on that. Yeah. I can actually illuminate what they need to do as opposed to uh, just increasing the darkness around them. And, and then on the freight forwarding side, you can simplify the experience. So you can just picture a freight forwarder who's, uh, again, pulling their hair out. There's a lot of bald people walking around now. They're pulling their hair out and just trying to get information <laughs> back to the shippers and not go through that onerous process of um, I, I sent out 200 quotes and I got one of them back. Thank you very much for wasting all of my time. Yeah. Um, you know, you can actually bring a bit of parity back to uh, that relationship as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's been quite a few emerging trends we've seen during and post-COVID. We we touched on a few of those today, in particular around disruption, and there's a lot of positive things happening as well. You you can see a lot of volume being moved. I think it's shown us, if nothing else, that the supply chains are incredibly resilient. Um, You know, people find a way. There there can be delays and disruption, but but people are really trying to to move goods for people. Um, But let's cast our eye to the year ahead. Um, you know, 2020, everyone's forgotten about it. We've happily written it off. It never happened. But uh, 2021 and over to 2022, um, have you got any predictions for what shipping might look like? Um, do you think as a, as a few macro level trends that businesses should focus on and uh, and what would those be? Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. And I always ask that of my guests. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I think, you know, we need to get through 2021. I am hopeful that in 2022, things are going to stabilize. I mean, the, I mean, who could have predicted, and I'm, this is COVID aside, who hmm. could have predicted the disruptions that we've seen even in the last six months, like we've never seen this many containers overboard in yeah. this period of time before, yeah. you know, Suez Canal. I mean, who would have huh. thought? I mean, maybe the people that build built the mega ships were like, hmm, I wonder if it's going to get stuck somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but, I wonder if we know. can get it stuck somewhere might have been the question. <laughs> wow. Yeah, maybe it was the, shall- the challenge. The challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I'm very hopeful that 2022 will, will stabilize. Um, I don't think that volume, I don't think that we're going to see volume decrease. I think the world has become a very much a smaller place. Mm. I think it'll be interesting to watch and see how supply chain strategies are shifted um, from a manufacturing standpoint, from a supplier standpoint, nearshoring, shoreshoring, offshoring, you know, I think, I think it's really, it'll be really interesting to see how 
people have been thinking about the strategies, how they've been thinking about the risks. Mm. And I think we're going to see a lot of innovation, not just from a tech, tech perspective. I mean, innovation in the supply chain arena as to how people are thinking about things and how they're going to be restructuring some of their supply chain, if at all. I mean, I was just, you know, talking about an article the other day where uh, Volkswagen is doubling down on on uh, vertical, vertically integrated supply chains and Foxconn is doubling down on flexible supply chains. Yeah, wow. And I think, yeah, and I think we're going to see in 2022 the results of some of that and who's going to win. What does that look like, right? We went from just in time to just in case. Do we go back to just in time? Are we going to see an emergence of 3D printing and then... Does that mean we're going to see more raw, raw materials being shipped rather than finished products? I mean, it's a really, really exciting time to be in supply chain. And I'm just sitting back with my popcorn. No, I'm not sitting back. <laughs> that's for sure. You but, you know, you I've got sitting. my popcorn at the ready. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I'm, my popcorn at the ready because this, this is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. <laughs> and I think if, if nothing else, it's elevated in the public dialogue. All of these topics that you know, we might call ourselves supply chain nerds, but people who sit in the background and do this and try and solve these problems and are involved in how the problems get solved, um, you're getting conversations. You know, not many of us are going to cocktail parties, but when we do via Zoom or otherwise, you're getting conversations with people who you thought they'd never have any appreciation or understanding for that sort of topic. Um, they'd never, mm -hmm. you know, want to understand what I do day to day because they just think it's all about ships and boxes and those sorts of things. And they're starting to talk about it. They're really starting to engage with the content. They're starting to ask questions. And I've heard companies, small and large, say, wait a second, we need to be more conscious of where we manufacture things because it's not appropriate for us to just do uh, manufacturing in a certain other jurisdiction. We need to have more control over it. And one thing yeah. that's interesting, I, I think, that has come to light and is being talked about quite a bit is um, the seafarer crisis. And I, I know sh ships recently yes. signed the Neptune Declaration. Is that correct? Do you want to just talk about that briefly? Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you've been talking about this for a really long time. I mean, it's it's modern slavery, um, you know, the seafarer crisis. And, and they've been on... They've been on ships and boats through COVID for, you know, 18 months plus without a lot of Wi-Fi. You know, some are having trouble even getting food from what I'm hearing on the boats. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I was going to say about the future of supply chain, you know, you're going to add on sustainability and sustainability programs. You're going to add on diversity. But we also need to include the seafarer crisis and that type of modern slavery into the questions that we're, we're asking our providers and who we're working with and how they're taking care of their people. Yeah. Because if anything that's happened over the last year, it's really shone a light on what is happening and what the conditions are like for them. And so, you know, you've been a real champion for that. And, um, I've, I've tried to follow in your footsteps and be a real <laughs> champion for it as well. And, you know, I've, I signed the Neptune uh, declaration for ships and let's talk supply chain, just like you have for verify. And it's important to get behind things, um, yeah. and causes mm -hmm. like this, especially you know, when it affects those among us in supply chain, listen, we've got a great community 
And I think if more and more people just knew about what was happening, they would ask better questions and they would make better decisions and better choices as to who they were going to work with. Yeah, and it definitely starts with that informed conversation. So so the idea that something could be happening, which we don't know about, um, but now it's been brought to light, well, we need to react to that. Uh, I know the Neptune Declaration is signed by, I think it's over 700 companies now, so we're in quite esteemed uh, company in the the signatories to that. Um, It's a really good step in the right direction because what it does is it brings something that would have been opaque uh, into the light, Uh, and now we can start talking about it. We can start talking about solutions we can start talking about how to alleviate that. And, and we can, through the support of, uh, let's talk, supply chain ships and others, um, really make a difference. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good topic to, to focus on, I think, because it, it really brings sustainability into a practical, uh, into practical outcomes. We can make a difference uh, with how we re- restructure our supply chains. Uh, so, so I just want to finish up. You know, we, we touched on a lot of different topics, and uh, it's been really great. I, I, you know, I've learned a chunk of stuff about ships and uh, about the platform itself. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it on your own show. Um, so it's been great to, uh, to go through that with you. Um, but let's, let's have a, a, a brief, just touch on briefly uh, the, the things that are coming up. What sort of exciting things have you got in the pipeline? Now I know some of those you can't share, so you know, we won't go into that. Um, but what are some of those things that you can share about what the future holds for ships and maybe even for yourself? Yeah, you know, I've got a lot of really cool projects coming up on the Let's Talk supply chain side, which I will reveal as soon as we possibly can. There's a hint in this episode if you listen very, very carefully. Um, But I think I think for ships, um, you know, we're we're going to continue to listen to our customers. We're going to continue to build out features based on their feedback to just make it easier for them to do business and for both sides to be able to do better business together. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a really great way of, of putting it. And I don't think it's understated. I think someone might think, oh, wait a second, isn't Sarah going to change the world by doing X, Y? But I, I think the way that you are changing the world is really practical. It's a, it's, it's a graspable way for people who are, are really busy, uh, who want to make better decisions and want to save a bit of money and time. Um, to start doing that immediately. I mean, they can jump on ships.com, they can get signed up, and uh, they can start exploring what your platform has to offer, and I'd really encourage people to do that. Uh, Well, Sarah, I I love what you're doing with ships. I think it's a really great idea, and it's turned into an actual practical platform that people can use. It hasn't just stayed in that idea stage. You've really pushed it forward into a a real thing that people can use. I I think the way you're approaching it is great. I think your, your history... And the way that you understand the industry has just informed the build. Um, so I can see it going from strength to strength. I'm genuinely excited. Uh, all I can think of is the amount of time it's going to save people, uh, which we really need. Right now. We, we need people to focus on things that are really important and, and spend less time you know, getting bogged down in swapping quote information backwards and forwards. So I, I, <laughs> yes. I, think, it, I think it's great that, uh, that you're doing it as a technical founder, uh, with industry expertise and using less talk supply chain is a great mouthpiece for that as well. Um, so I just want to say a big thank you for being on your own show today. How great is it uh, that you can be interviewed by somebody else? And, uh, you know, despite being on the other side of the microphone, I, I'm pretty sure people can say you did a pretty good job. I think you did. Oh, well, thank you. And I just want to thank you to you for being the host extraordinaire and saying yes to hosting this episode for me. Stay tuned because there is a lot more to come from both of us. So thank you very much, Jonathan.
This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And remember to come back next week. We've got two episodes coming out next week. One of them is episode seven of Blended, where I will be joined by another group of inspirational supply chain professionals who are passionate about the issues of equality and and diversity. So don't forget to tune into that enlightening episode. And also next week, I am featuring Throughput AI on the show. That's right. They're coming on to talk about how they are using AI to power visibility for some of the biggest names in this industry. So make sure that you tune in next week. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now even TikTok. You can also subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain over on YouTube, and you can supply you can subscribe to our newsletter over on letstalksupplychain.com. Next, visit ships.com and sign up because we are helping shippers, importers, exporters, and freight providers work better together. We are reducing the amount of time it takes to quote and book your air and ocean freight shipments, and we want to help you. Get in touch with me on LinkedIn, or you can send me a message over at sarah at ships.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, make sure to give us a review, rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts, and we will feature you and your review on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.